Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Then Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. This is one of the apostolic prayers of Paul. Paul said, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom all family or all fatherhood in heaven and on earth derives its name, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with the power, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. In that passage, Paul prays to the God or the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians, he prays to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Peter, 1 Peter, Peter prays that, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's an interesting phrase. Both Paul and Peter highlighted the fact that the Father is not only the God of Jesus Christ, he's the Father of Jesus Christ. And he weds those two terms together. This is Father's Day, so I want to want to uh, wish every dad here happy Father's Day. And it's an amazing thing that you and I as dads bear the title that God himself bears. That we bear the title that God refers to himself as, as a father. That's a heavy thing. There is no higher calling to be, than to be a father or a mother. The most important task we will ever have is our role as father and mother. A number of years ago, the Lord asked me a question that worried me a little bit. This is what he, he, seriously, he asked me, he said, what would it matter if you died? I'm thinking, Lord, do you have plans? And I began to roll through my different roles in life. And I, I was, at the time, I was working at Teen Challenge, and I thought, well, if I left Teen Challenge, they'd miss me for a little while, because there's certain things that I knew about that no one else on staff knew about, that, but they'd figure it out, and in no time at all, they'd get along without me. I'd be a, a distant memory. And then I thought about this church. This was before I became the pastor, but I was helping out here, and I thought, yeah, they'd miss me. You know, I've got friends there, and I do a lot of teaching there. But the fact is they would forget me very quickly. And then I thought of my kids. And I thought, if I died, my wife and my children would never be the same. They would never fully recover. Now, God could make up for it, and he could fill in the gaps, but the fact is, nobody else could take my place. The one role that I occupy in life that nobody else can function in is as the husband and father of my family. Every other job, every other role that I occupy in life, someone else can do it, and someone else will do it eventually. But my role as father was assigned to me. And I, the Lord asked me that question, and as I just began to sit there and think through that, I felt like the Lord said, okay, now you have your priorities. And he was driving home to me the fact that that's my most important role. You're and I, you and I, gentlemen, as fathers... And that's, that's not just isolated to biological children. We, we function in a fatherly role in the kingdom. 
The fact is that the template of God's kingdom is a father has a son. The family paradigm, this template that God orchestrated that a father had a son and he sends him to the world. And that is the template of the kingdom. That you and I, gentlemen, we have sons and our lives are lived through our sons. It's not a coincidence that it says of the father that he is glorified through the son. That the father gives everything, he sums up everything in his son Jesus. That everything that we are is to be summed up in our children. It really is. In Genesis, I want to say it's chapter 37. Those of you that have been around for a while have heard me comment on this. But it was a number of years ago, I was reading through that passage, and it just struck me. I, all of a sudden, I had to do a double take because it says, and this is the story of Jacob. And then it says, and Joseph, a boy of 17. And I thought, well, that's weird. It says, this is the story of Jacob. But then it begins to talk about Joseph. And if you look at that passage, there's chapter after chapter already written about Jacob. But right in the middle of his life, it suddenly says, and this is the story of Jacob. And then it begins to talk about his children. The implication is clear. That our story is our children. That everything that preceded that was actually Isaac's story. Jacob was the story of Isaac, but Joseph was the story of Jacob. Jacob had many sons, and they were literally the story of Jacob. Our story is the story of what comes from us in our family. But if we don't understand that, we can spend so much time trying to write our father's story that we fail to write our own. God has called us to be fathers. And it's an amazing thing that God would refer to us by the same title he refers to himself as. Now, a lot of times, well, let me put it this way. In, in theological circles, there's this term called anthropomorphism. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Anthropomorphism. And anthropomorphism in theology is, a, theologians say that is a way, or that is God adopting human terms Anthropos is the Greek word for man, and it's a morph, it's a, it's a model of God trying to take on human terms so he can communicate with us about things we won't understand otherwise. And there's truth to that. But the fact is, we take that way too far. And we can, we can in, a, in a wrong way, Assume that God referring to himself as a father is some anthropomorphic strategy to communicate to us that he's condescending to us and saying, hey, I don't have any other terms to use, so I'm going to use what you called your dad, and I'm going to refer to myself as that. That is not what happened. Paul was very clear in this prayer in Ephesians that God is the original father. It's not that God adopted some term that we relate with our earthly dads by. It's that God is a father. It is the essence of who he is. There is a, the Godhead, the ultimate reality is a father who has a son and they send a spirit. That is ultimate reality. God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. And that is the mark, the template for all of reality. In fact, we don't have time to get into it this morning. But that Trinitarian mark is on all of life. You can see it everywhere you look. There's a reason that preachers preach three-point sermons. 
Because most subjects, if you look at it, there's a, there's a three-dimensional reality. Time is three dimensions, past, present, and future. All, there's, so, there's so many examples of this throughout creation. Why? Because all of creation emanates from who he is. So there's a father that has a son. And so what God did is he established this earthly family and he created fathers to have sons. It's an amazing thing. And when we use this terminology, ladies, you as, as women, as mothers, enter into this same, uh, this same template as mothers having children, as fathers having children. It's not just sons. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, we talk about being sons of God. That is not a gender-specific term. That is a non-gender-specific term. It, it's the offspring of God. God it, it, matter of fact, in the, the eternal, uh, in eternity past in the heart of God, what motivated God to create all things, we find in Hebrews chapter 2 and again in chapter 5, that God wanted many sons. He had an only begotten, but he wanted many begottens. God wants children. God is a family man. He is the ultimate father and so our role as human fathers is derived from him. He's the original. We are the faded expression of that original fatherhood. Why is this important for us to realize? Why does Paul mention that all fatherhood derived its name from God? Because if we're not careful, we start in our concept of fatherhood with our earthly fathers rather than with the eternal father. And our earthly fathers, God intended that we as earthly fathers aid our children in seeing what God is really like. But as every dad in this room knows, that at, at different levels we have all failed to do so. There are times where I have misrepresented who God is. There are times where my dad, my dad's a wonderful man, but there are times because of his own woundedness, this generational thing that comes down that he hasn't always expressed who God is in, the, in the, uh, the, the highest way. So that's why we need to start with God the Father in heaven and understand that all human fathers are simply a, a, a faded expression. They are an, a, 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 a failed attempt, a frail attempt at being a father. If we start with man, what we do is we superimpose the failings of our earthly father on our heavenly father, and rather than being an aid to leading us to God, it becomes a hindrance in us coming to God. And so what we need to understand is that as we get a revelation of God the Father, then we can enter into that, 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 uh, that role of father and get our example from who he is rather than our earthly father's. Now, the fact is, is men, we can't give what we don't have. You can't give what you don't first receive. And that's why Paul prayed this prayer in Ephesians chapter 4. It's very important that you and I enter into the love of the Father. Paul starts this prayer. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, comma, from whom all fatherhood and family on, in heaven and on earth has derived its name. And then he goes into this prayer about the love of God. Listen to what he says. 
He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, the love of the Father. Gentlemen, you will never be the dad you need to be unless you have a revelation of the Father God as he is towards you. When you have a revelation of his heart for you, it will enable you to be the father you're called to be. An original creation will never understand what fatherhood is intended to be if we start with the fall. We don't even start really with creation. We start in the eternal heart of God where God as a father longed for many sons. It's the expression, it's the ultimate essence of who God is, his fatherhood. So we see in creation, God forms Adam out of the dirt of the ground. And it's a fascinating thing if you think about it. The first picture that Adam ever saw as he opened his eyes was the retreating face of his smiling father as he had just breathed into him the breath of life. And if you look up the Hebrew word for father, it's ab. It sounds very much like if you have a Bible program and you just hit that, you can hit it again and again, ab, ab. It sounds like someone who's gasping for breath after holding their breath for a long, long amount of time. It's like they're trying to fill their lungs that are desperate for breath. It's probably the very sound that Adam made when God breathed the breath of lives within him. And so the first picture and the first sound were intimately connected. When Adam opens his eyes and there's that smiling face of the father who had just imparted life to him. There was a father and a son. That was God's intention. But of course we know that through sin, that relationship was severed. But because you and I were born in sin, we weren't born under the, the paradise and the intimacy of original creation. We don't comprehend the magnitude of that devastation. The severing that took place. That when Adam sinned, all of a sudden his eyes were open and he was aware that God, there was the severing of that relationship. And it was a devastating thing. That's why Jesus says in the book of John, it's just before his crucifixion, he gathers his disciples together after, when they're in what's called the Olivet Discourse. They're in the Mount of Olives, and they're, he's, they're getting ready. They're having the prayer meeting just before Jesus is arrested. And Jesus tells his disciples, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will send another like unto myself. He's saying, I'm going to send the Spirit. The Spirit is the answer to that orphan mentality that we received in the fall. And it's interesting how Jesus puts it. He doesn't say, for those of you that struggle with that, he just makes a blanket statement. I'm not going to leave you in that orphan way of thinking. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. The assumption is that all of us start there. 
Because all of us were born to have a relationship with a father, Father God. And out of that, we receive the Father's affirmation, the Father's love, that intimacy, that closeness, that, that counsel of a father. And out of that, we live our life among men in that way. And we do the same with our children. But because of the fall, there's been that severing and there's that orphan mentality, that orphan thinking where we're all, that, that competition and that jealousy and that feeling like we've got to take matters into our own hands and, and if we don't do it, it's not going to get done and there's that, that, that concept of limited resources and all those orphan mentalities. And Jesus says the answer to that is the spirit he's going to send. The, the, the one like unto myself, the, the word he uses there is parakaleo, paraclete, the one called alongside us to help. Paul picks up on this theme in the book of Romans, and in Romans chapter 8, he begins to talk about the spirit of adoption, or some translations call it the spirit of sonship. You see, the spirit of adoption or the spirit of sonship is, the, is the, the Spirit bringing to us that relationship of the Father. And it's God's solution for this thing, this orphan mentality, that, that severed relationship within the human heart. And we need to understand that just because we're born again does not mean that that issue is necessarily dealt with. We've just finished a series on the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want us to merge Father's Day and, the, and the, the outpouring of the Spirit together this morning and realize that there is an intimate connection between our, our need for a father, the Father's affirmation, us living in the love of the Father so that as men that we, we can give what we've received from God. If we have never received it, we can't give it. If we don't have it from God, what we end up doing is we end up looking to our human fathers we're in limited time, so let me just read something to you this, this morning. I really felt like the Lord began to speak some things to me, and I just wrote it down, and I'm just going to read it to you. Earthly fatherhood was intended to aid us in our relationship with the Heavenly Father, showing us the way to Him, how to relate, how to see ourselves, etc. Now, due to the fall, fatherhood has become a hindrance rather than a help. The Heavenly Father now teaches us to rec how to reconcile to our earthly ones. When we start with our human fathers, we superimpose their failures and deficiencies on our, human father, on our heavenly father. But this is not the revelation of scripture. God uses the title father not as some anthropomorphic strategy to relate with us. He is the, the original. When we start with him, he begins to heal the wounds of commission and omission left by our earthly fathers. Whether your dad did things to you that affected you or didn't do things for you that affected you. The fact is that the enemy leverages all that stuff in our life to keep us from really entering into an intimate relationship with God. And that's why it's so necessary that we have this experiential element of the Spirit of God in our life. Those deep-seated issues are not things we're just taught out of. 
Those are, those are things that are at a heart level that we need the Holy Spirit of God to come in and begin to deal with and give us a revelation of the Father. We need the encounter that Adam had where we open our eyes and we see the retreating face of our smiling Father. We need the encounter that Jesus had in his own baptism in the Spirit when he came up out of the water. And what happened? The heavens opened, the dove descended, but the most important element of Jesus' baptism was the Father spoke, you are my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm telling you, that Father's affirmation, the Father's love, that validation is the foundation of our identity. And when we don't have that, we look externally to find that. And we'll never find that outside of the love of God. If we do it the other way around, if we, start, if we try to start with earthly fathers, we start with faulty presuppositions that conclude God will fail us like our dads did. When we start with God, he redeems the phrase father and even the relationship with our fathers. We are able to extend grace to the broken sons that our fathers were. The whole concept of anthropomorphism. You're going to go away with a new phrase this morning. You need to find a way to use this this week at the office. It'll make you look very intelligent. The whole concept of anthropomorphism assumes a disconnect between God and his creation. It assumes that our human relational concepts are separate from his nature and therefore God takes on a human role only in an attempt to condescend and relate with us. But that's not the case. Much of our human concepts of relationship started with him. They're heavenly concepts. And God is a relational God. He is a father. It wasn't some ill-fitting thing he took on himself and this is awkward, but I'm going to try to condescend a man and act like a dad. No, he is the original papa, okay? He is the father. He burns for his children, the theological concept itself is birthed out of an image of God. This anthropomorphic thing, it's birthed out of an image of God as distant and unrelatable. We need to realize that all of creation emanates from God. Just as, just as an artist's creation is an expression of themselves and therefore gives us insight into their true identity, so scripture tells us that all of creation bears witness to God revealing his eternal power and his divine nature. And I'm here to tell you this morning that family and fatherhoods are one, uh, fatherhood are one of the primary expressions of who God really is. And the tragedy is that some of us in this room have had poor examples and bad experiences and that, that concept of a father actually becomes a block to us receiving from who God really is. And God wants to touch that, and his answer is the spirit of adoption. Paul says that that spirit comes upon us, and he causes us to cry, Abba, Father. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship. When he comes on us, and we begin to hear that voice, you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased, it automatically causes this reciprocal response out of us, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. And you have not entered into all that God has for you until you can respond like that. I'm talking naturally. That is your natural response to God. Paul's very clear in this passage in Ephesians chapter 3. 
this apostolic prayer. Listen to how he sums it up. Listen to what he says at the end of this passage. He says, I pray that the, that you would, the power of the Spirit would come upon you in your inner, inner being for two things. Number one, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It would almost sound insulting for someone to pray that for you after you've walked with the Lord for many years. But Paul wrote this to believers. See, you can believe in Christ. He can dwell in your... He, you can be a believer. He resides within you. But the, the idea in this, the Greek terminology here is that he would be at home. He would settle in and make his, your house, your body, your, your residence his home. He feels at home. It's not just somewhere he occupies. And that's because you're convinced of the love of God and you can drop your guard and let him occupy every square inch of your life. And then he goes on, he prays this, and this is an interesting prayer, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted is an arc, I mean, agricultural term. And at the, the root system goes deep. And grounded is an architectural term. It's about foundations. That the, what is seen above the ground reaches deep into the love of God and, and, and finds its security and stability in the love of God. And he says that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the height, depth, width, and breadth. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He wants you to enter into an encounter, an experiential encounter with something that is beyond your ability to preach yourself into, to hear yourself into, to study yourself into. It only comes by that experience of the Spirit. And that's what the Greek bears out. But listen to what he says then. And this is the end zone for this whole prayer. This is what Paul is praying for. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What Paul is telling us is the prerequisite to you living in the fullness of God in your life is a revelation, an experiential revelation of the love of God. You cannot live in the fullness of God without a revelation of the love of God, not because he's not willing, but because you won't be. You will not be able to drop your guard and receive the love of God until you have an experiential knowledge of the love of God in your life. That is God's answer. Our human roles are reflections of the divine, hints of the eternal order, faded expressions of the original, that is God. He is not taking on our roles in an ill-fitted attempt to relate with us. We have been assigned these roles as his created sons. But through the fall, these have been twisted and distorted, and it's distorted the real in the original through the fall. God's revelation of himself as father is the first step in redeeming that role of fatherhood. So the bottom line is this, gentlemen. You can't give what you don't have. And it's only as we become good sons of the father that we can be good fathers of our sons. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand this morning, and I'm going to ask that the fathers, every father in this place, and matter of fact, every man in this place would come down here and stand in the front, and I want to pray a father's blessing over you this morning. Gentlemen, this is crucial that we receive the father's love that we know in our heart of hearts. And some of you, to varying degrees, have awkward relationships with your earthly fathers. And it's become a hindrance to you 
in your other relationships in life. The foundation of who we are called to be comes out of the Father's validation. So ladies, I'm going to invite you to come behind these men, and let's just circle behind them, and I'm going to ask you to extend your hand towards these men. Ladies, if you'd just come forward. We want to bless these men. I'm telling you, you want to see revival in a region? You see a group of men come into a revelation of God's validation of who they really are, that we can step into who we're really called to be. Gentlemen, I'm going to just ask you, just raise your hands right now. Father, I thank you for these men. Lord, I thank you for sons. Lord, we come before you, we stand before you as sons of the Most High. But Lord, you know intimately our struggles. Lord, that each of us, to varying degrees, struggle being who you've called us to be. And so, Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would release the Father's blessing. Lord, I'm asking for an outpouring of your Spirit upon our lives. Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us and that we would hear that voice, you are my son and whom I am well pleased. Father, I ask for the Father's validation. And Lord, I'm asking God, in those areas where we lack, Lord, in the areas where there's been a deficiency because of failures, Lord, where we've misread things in the past and it's brought us to false conclusions, Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would begin to undo the lies in our life. And Lord, I ask for the Father's blessing. Lord, we ask that the spirit of adoption would begin to reside on our lives, Lord. Father, that we would be men, and men that live under the anointing of the Father's blessing, the Father's love. I thank you for it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.